welcome to Business Talk, Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode is how to build an indoor billboard advertising company. And I am super excited about this. I have Roger Puka with me today, and I think you should pronounce your uh, real last name as yeah, well. The, the real last name is Pogorels. Yeah, it's not the easiest, but it's <laughs> it's very Iron Range. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, you have started a couple of these companies so far. Is that is that true? Yes. Yes. That was one of my one of my second entrepreneurial venture. I would say was yeah, starting go. Moving cold turkey, well, not cold turkey. I I played a little hockey in Billings, Montana, but yeah, you know, when I was playing hockey, I was hanging out with my teammates and such, and they were from Minnesota, Alaska, North Dakota, etc. All the players, and then we all left, right? So I kind of parachuted back there in 2001, and yeah, that's what I wanted to do, I guess, and and uh, and the market was pretty wide open, so that's kind of why we chose there. So yeah, started and then uh, that we. We'll talk about it later, but then we ended up down in, uh, my wife and I in Chicago doing the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what is an indoor advertising or billboard company? Okay. Tell me about that. What does it look like? Sure. So what most people uh, can, well, well, where most people will see them would be in like restrooms of like uh, nightclubs, bars, restaurants. Uh, so that's where most people will, would see them, but you know, any type of of even a wallscape, you know, someplace indoors. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it, like Minnesota Wild Games are starting to do a lot of larger wallscapes of ads. Um, some of the technology with stickers, I mean, you can just make a big sticker now instead of like framing stuff or it, or it being paper and able to be torn. You know, you put this matting down. So any, I guess any kind of advertising that, you know, even airports, I mean, airports are, li- I think the title a little bit different. I think they call it airport advertising, but technically it's indoor, right? So mm-hmm. it's anything that, I guess anything you put a roof over, you can call yeah. it an indoor billboard. Okay. And so like, did you do a lot of like framing of things in, like, were you doing printing and bringing them or what, how did you figure out like, this is the system we're going to use and, and what did that look right. like? Right. Okay. So I guess that there's a lot of backstory to that. So the, the whole industry category was kind of brought nationally by actually a couple of Haven guys, uh, Jim Arbonis, the late Jim Arbonis and, and Tony Jacobson, who's still in the game today doing a lot of digital stuff. Um, and so they were kind of, they're graduates of Haven High School where I graduated and there was, you know, teachers used to kind of mention them and they were kind of like these business legends. So I always paid attention when I was somewhere because at that okay. point in time when I was a teenager, they there weren't indoor billboards in across the range. There were a little bit in Duluth, but there were a lot in the city. So I just, something I paid attention to. So I, I saw these frames and, you know, these, these ads in there, which were incidentally paper. Um, so when I, so I always kind of paid attention and I was just ready to do, I taught school one year and I was just ready to do something different. And so that was kind of what I, I, I thought this is what I'm going to do. And like I said, uh, I did some research and I knew that I found out that Billings was a, a market that it it didn't exist. It was like when I was a teenager, it didn't exist on the Iron Range. Well, when I was 26 years old or what have you, it didn't exist in Billings, Montana. So that's why, again, how I chose Billings. But yeah, so then I, I paid more attention. And I actually had a, a buddy that worked for, at that time, it was called AJ Indoor. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just use you know, frames and you put a piece of plexiglass and, you know, that kind of thing. And then you just, you, I didn't print the ads myself. You know, I subbed that out, but went to a print shop and you know, there'd be like an artist that would create the ads and then print the ads and then post them up and, and put them in frames. Like I said, that's that's the way it was done then. But like I said, as, as technology, I know when 
when Jim and Tony started the ads, you know, the way technology was back then, the ads, they were paper, but they were black and white. Oh. And a lot of the, okay. a lot of the frames were in glass, which could be kind of a danger. You think yeah. of a nightclub mm -hmm. and, and maybe, you know, people have a little too much to drink or something and you got glass, yeah. you know, so, so as things change, like I said, now in a lot of cases, it's just a giant sticker, you know, it's oh. just, you know, you can just a nice big sticker and just, you know, direct onto the wall. Um, so, so things, you know, and like I said, there's a lot of digital now, you know, mm -hmm. a, a mm -hmm. lot of digital boards. So, so technology and times will, will kind of change things. Okay. Yeah. So when you went out to Billings, what did you do to get started? Like how much did you have to invest right away and how did you get your first customers for ads? Sure. Okay. So the investment was, that was a good thing. It was pretty small. You know, I mean, like I said, I knew that going in, if I was successful, I'd have to buy some frames and, you know, uh, go to an artist pay them to, to create the advertisement and then, you know, get some printing done. So um, the, the startup was very minimal. Um, when I was playing hockey there, I was playing what's called junior hockey, and they set you up with families to live with. Okay. Because they're a bunch of mm -hmm. 16, 17 to 20-year-old kids, and they, you know. The Probably teams, don't want you going out Yeah, they, 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 like, you know, they don't want to have an apartment full of 18-year-olds. So, yeah. so they set up with families, and I had a great family there, and so I had contacted them ahead of time said, hey, I'm looking at doing this. Would you care if I just came and and rented my own bedroom back and they, they had uh, several children and so they had uh, a couple of them had already moved on They're like yeah your bedroom's available and what have you so I had, I had the kind of the place uh, to stay covered my wife was still here on the range teaching in, in Mountain Iron at the time so I knew I was just going to kind of go out and see and so yeah so day one was unpacking and day two was going around so I needed to find some locations to put the advertisements in and like I said it could be anything from um, we ended up with like the they have a minor league baseball team in Billings, uh, okay. a single A team for the Cincinnati Reds. So we ended up you know, like in there. We ended up at the um, the hockey rink for like the general public. We ended up in the big arena, which would be out there is comparable to like Amsoil Arena here, you know. Mm -hmm. And so and of course, like I said, restaurants and and nightclubs, bars, uh, um, fitness centers were good, like health clubs, you know, okay. were good. And so. So that was, was day one, was just introducing myself and trying to, and again, remember, I parachuted in. I knew nobody. You know, yeah. I, knew, I knew the family yeah. I lived with. Um, you know, a, one relationship with the hockey team that was from previous, uh, you know, the head coach had already moved on by then. I mean, it was, you know, six, seven years. So, um, so I had to just kind of go in, and I shake, shook a lot of hands and, and got, you know, kind of thrown out of a lot of places, people laughing at me, like, what are you talking about? That'll never work. And, you know, it was – I thought it was gonna be a lot easier, you know. I'll, I'll mm, tell you that because mm -hmm. I had seen it in Minnesota and it had been here for a long time, but it hadn't been there. And okay. It, and if okay. I would, I looking back, if I would have known how tough it was gonna be, I may not have done it. But I was a little bit naive, which I think could be good for an entrepreneur. You know, <laughs> a little naivety. Naivety is good because um, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. and so you just you you know. And I was in. I was all in. You know, so I was jumping. Like I said, I was parachuting in. So I was all in. So I had to make it work and. Yeah. So, so, so what was your pitch? Like, how did you structure it? What was the incentive for the business? What did that look like? Okay. So I had, um, so like I said, I had the one contact at the AJ and door and, and uh, I said, Hey, can you, I'm 99% sure I asked him if he could send me a frame and he did. And so, and with some advertisements in it. Yeah. That, yeah, that is what happened because I had some beautiful, um, I remember one was a line in Kugel's Honeyways with a B on it and, uh, so you had some mock-ups. I had a mock-up, yeah. Yep. So a beautiful with a honeycomb. It was a beautiful ad. And then I think it was a, one with a car dealership. They sent me a few. And so I, you know, I'd, I'd walk in with this frame, you know, mm -hmm. this picture frame. Like, hey, this is what I do. Um, you know, I want to I come and I want to basically give you some sort of value, some sort of rent, 
to hang up these these you posters know, these posters slash frames in your you know main in your restrooms you mm-hmm. know and and um, like I said some you know and and some were glossy eyed but some had seen you know the, the people in Billings had been to Denver or to mm-hmm. Spokane or to Seattle or or what have you so they had seen them but there were there were plenty of that that hadn't you know and mm-hmm. and uh, I remember the first day I was there. Oh, a week, 10 days, and it was a nice brewery downtown, um, Montana Brewing Company. I believe it's still there, you know, and and uh, he was like my, you know, he said yes. He was the first, you know, the first guy, and, and uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, yeah. it was just like. It's I your mean, first I, I, sale. Yeah, I don't like, think I could. I couldn't, and back then, no cell phones, you know, yeah. so. Well, there were, but I didn't have one. I couldn't afford one, so I think I, I couldn't I'd wait to run home and call a couple buddies and call my wife and say, yeah, I got, you know, I got first, first location. Like, yeah, this is it. You know? <laughs> million dollars is coming in a month. You know? so, right. But I was very excited. And it was a great place. You know, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, like, I knew advertisers would be interested in being at the brewery. Okay. Yeah. Great. So now you had your first location, right? And they, was it like a percentage of whatever the ads revenue that came in or how did you structure that, it? Yeah, that's what we, yeah, that's what we were going to give them a per, yeah, percentage of the ad revenue that came in. And then over time as it evolved and I found uh, one of my mentors, Jack Thompson was a big mentor that that's when my business really grew and if any entrepreneurs that are listening and maybe we'll talk more about this later, but the, I mean, the biggest thing you can do is find a great mentor. And I, he's Jack does the indoor advertising around here on the range. And okay. I, um, as a fact, I think he had an insurance agent that he was, um, using, uh, or was a client that I was using, and some of them got to talking, and he called me out of the blue, and we ended, up, we ended up going to lunch and met each other, and we're still good friends, you know, to this day, and, but he was my mentor, and, and, and he said, well, yeah, you can pay rent and all this stuff like cash, but also, if you can um, get hold of anything of, of value, you know, like a tickets of something, or or whatever, you know, I mean, oh, you can trade, yeah, the... then you, exactly, okay, then you can pay rent, owner with uh, maybe gift cards from some other place you know you get mm-hmm. gift cards to one place they get you know or you know so so it was a lot of uh, cash rents but then you know go um, get some uh, I mean there was a Red Lodge ski resort we ended up with you know by the by the time we were you know in our sixth year I mean we had a lot of what we call trade I mean we had gift cards we had um, like I said Red Lodge is the ski mountain we had Red Lodge passes I had passes to every uh, the Billings Bulls hockey team, the Mustangs um, baseball team, the uh, Billings Outlaws, they had the uh, arena football. It was very, those games were very, very exciting. I had tickets to that. Uh, every golf course, I had golf passes. So uh, so the businesses that were advertising with you would also just give you like- Yeah, well, they instead of cash in some case, I'd say let's do a cash comp deal type thing. So they would be okay. cash and trade, you okay. know what I mean? So, or something like that. And so, so, yeah, so we were just always trying to- make a deal you know somehow whether like i said whether it was cash or trade and then you know you just figured out you know all that was currency in one way or the other and then mm-hmm. that's you, know, you just had to figure out how you're going to spend it yeah you know okay so, a lot of so you grew it and then and you had people putting in the ads for you as well at some point yeah so the goal was uh like i said there was it was wide open there when I started, I had a competitor ended up moving in, but when I started in 2001, so the, the idea was I, I kind of got billings going, and then what I wanted to do was be able to get some state money, you know, so I knew, knew I needed to grow across the state. And, and if you look on a map, Montana's pretty big. Mm-hmm. So the nearest town that I felt was 
worth working was Bozeman, two hours away. And that's like going 80 you know, on the freeway, on I-90. Okay. And so then, long ways for you yes, to go and then three yeah. hours to Great Falls, four hours to Helena, five or five and a half to Missoula. But I did open up all these markets um, over time. And then, um, what was your question? I was, uh, that's a great question. What was my question? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> no. I'm talking about expanding. Anyway. Oh, um, yeah. What did you, how did you scale it? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. So yeah. then, you know, so that's what we, we, um, so we went to all the towns. Oh, you're asking about employees. That's what it was. So, so I grew. Yep. And then, so then, yeah, I hired a, like a maintenance person in each town to kind of go, because it's indoors, so people can touch them, right? So they mm -hmm. can, they can ride on them or yeah, they can Mess vandalize them, them yeah. in some way. So you, yeah. you wanted people going in and out of the location. So every, every, so we had a guy in Billings, um, had a gal in Great Falls, had a guy in Bozeman, a guy in Helena, and a guy and gal kind of changed off in Missoula. So, so that part I didn't have to worry about. I concentrate on my job was to drive revenue, you know, mm -hmm. or to get locations. Okay. Know, essentially. Yeah. Okay. And how often were you changing the ads out? Well, <laughs> again, good mentor. At first, I was kind of willing to take any deal, you know. So, I mean, sometimes I had to change stuff monthly or every couple months. And then he kind of sat me down and said, Roger, you're doing a lot of work. You know, why don't you try to do some longer contracts, you know, six months, year. Then you're not, you mm -hmm. know, you're saving yourself so much, so much time and effort. And, you know, because like I say, you got to print them and, and you got to get them to the, you know, ship them up or get them. And then you're kind of taking inventory every month of, okay, what ads are where and, and, you know, how much space do I have in XYZ restaurant and ABC bar and, you know, the, the golf course over there. So like if they're up, they're up, you mm -hmm. know? And so, um, so at first we were changing them a lot, but as the, you know, as my business evolved, it was a lot less. Okay. You know, I was trying to stick to like six months and, you know, and if, you know, it varied, you know, if, if the, if there was enough, if there was enough money in the deal, then, you know, if they want to do three months, we'll do three months, you know, right. kind of thing. And that's right. what I was talking about growing through the state that we ended up getting like the Montana lottery and we ended up getting the Montana Department of Transportation for some like safe and sober stuff around the holidays. And those were shorter campaigns, but they were statewide, um, you know, so they were bigger campaigns, so it made it worth it. So we did those. Okay. And so you, you wanted to go on a statewide level because then you knew you'd have the locations to be able to say, and here's what I can do for you. Exactly. I mean, it's okay. like, and it, you know, all these markets, you know, we ended up in Butte late, um, just a handful of places in Butte also. But yeah, you know, it was, it was, you know, you can come to us and hit the whole state, you know, yeah. your one-stop shop. And I think that's where we had a little bit of a leg on our, like I said, a competitor moved into Missoula and Bozeman and a competitor also moved into Helena. And I think what differentiated us from them mm -hmm. was one-stop shop and we can get you all these, you know, all these markets. And, and we had traffic flows from the different, you know, we, when I'd go to locations, so what, what's your estimated monthly traffic? How many people do you serve or what have you? And so, you know, we could take that big number and say, you know, and I can't remember what it was now, whatever, you know, there's million people a month pass through all these locations, what, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like I said, again, that's what kind of differentiated us. So you had the numbers to be able to say, this is like the flow of people it, and this is the percentage that will see the ad. Yeah, this is, this is kind of the traffic that, right. yeah, yeah. You know, we had, we had the traffic numbers, you know, just estimates, but it gave people, and like I said, most, most people could kind of relate, you know, they said, um, whatever, 
you know, Fuddruckers, you know, yeah. I mean, Fuddruckers, you know, Perkins, you know, you know, most people have been to a Perkins. They kind of have an idea, you know, most, most people there had been to Perkins multiple times, you know, and so they knew, you know, I think anybody that's listening kind of relate, like you kind of know what the traffic is out of Perkins, right? You, kinda, yeah. you know who mm-hmm. it is and you kind of know they're, they're usually, you know, how often you drive by Perkins, there's the parking lot's empty, right? You mm-hmm. know, so, so I think there was just, the advertisers could use their instincts just a little bit too and know that, yeah. you know, what there's kind of traffic what they were, there. Yeah, what, yeah, people exactly. are going to see what you have. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. That, okay. So then how did you get that ready to exit? Because then it sounds like you did it again in Chicago. So. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what did that, why, what was the thought yeah, process so, there? Walk me so, through. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so it was it was more than just one thing. So we, um, so I was you know getting closer and closer with my, you know, my Jack, you know my mentor that was helping me, and you know we just you know kept in contact, and we were talking more and more, and and he had some stuff going on in in the Twin Cities, and and he found out about an opportunity in Chicago that he thought maybe we should we should jump on, and we ended up jumping on with a a couple other guys. I'll do, I'll do a lot of name dropping so we can get a lot of people to listen, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my buddy Dan Vidmar, my buddy Bill Garrity. And so we were going to look at going down to Chicago and doing this out in the, out in the uh, suburbs, kind of around O'Hare Airport. And so that combined with our son was born in August of 05. And, um, you know, it, my wife's got two brothers. They're in Nashua. My older brother was in Hibbing. My younger brother was actually in, in Montana at the time, but he was kind of looking at moving back, and it was just like, you know, we're kind of out here on our own. It'd be different if her family was spread out and my family was spread out. You know, mm-hmm. someone's in Nashville, someone's in Austin, someone's, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But when everybody's there then and you're you, not, yeah, it's a little, you, yeah. like, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. one piece to the puzzle that's missing. So, so we, we kind of started thinking about it. Like, so we had a lot of – one of the reasons to – was just at that point we just kind of we hit that five six year mark whatever and we just had a lot of momentum you know mm-hmm. it was it was it was getting easier to to uh, you know get good quality advertisers people actually paid their bills and and you know there was just you know time just sometimes time is it mm-hmm. helps and so we had a lot of momentum and the opportunity in Chicago got richer and richer and and you know I talked to my wife and said what do, you know we're I mean, we're still not "quote unquote" home, but we're At four hours closer. Yeah, we're four yeah. hours closer mm-hmm. to home, and this could be a big opportunity, um, and you know, bigger because the market's bigger, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and uh, we had a chance of some some national stuff um, as far as revenue, and so we yeah we put her up and that yeah, sold. You know, it was be December of '05. I think it was up for just a couple months. It wasn't really long, cause, okay. Yeah, because we. I mean, we had good revenue. I mean, we, I mean, it was, you know, we good. Yeah, I mean, this was running good. We had good margins. We had good, good. Uh, we had good contracts. We had, like I said, great locations. So it, you know, it mm-hmm. was, it was, it was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so thank God, knock on wood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you went to Chicago, and were you doing all of the the business? Op- like you were opening the market there too, or did you have people working with you on that one? Yeah. So the way we structured it was, uh, Bill was actually Bill Garrity was doing the same thing down in Raleigh Durham. So he was kind of more just a silent partner and used for information and consulting. Um, and then Jack and Dan, they were in the Twin Cities. Um, 
so Jack kind of oversaw some of the uh, uh, national stuff. Dan kind of handled the, a lot of the back end office stuff. So I was the one on the ground okay. there. So yeah, I, you know, same thing. I had to to lease the locations, um, make the sales, and then we were also branched off and started doing advertising above the gas pumps there. Okay, okay tell so me about that. How did yeah. you get into it, and what what was the opportunity? Well, there? and I had actually heard about it while I was in Montana and dabbled in it just a little bit, um, and found a little bit of success there, but only a year and a half, two years, you know, before we sold and left. But um, that was a, a nice addition to our portfolio once we went to Chicago, because as I was gonna tell you in the pre-chat, uh, many communities have restrictions now on outdoor billboards. Everyone drives mm -hmm. down the road, you see those billboards along the outside of the, you know, along the, the highway, those are called outdoor billboards and they're, they're becoming extinct. They're not. They're not. You know, existing ones can typically be repaired. But you know, you start going to uh, many areas of suburbia, America, and you, you will not find an outdoor billboard. They are outlawed. Um, I don't really know why. I don't know if it's the light that bothers me. I don't, I don't know what it is. But they mm -hmm. they are outlawed. So it there was an opportunity because companies, whatever, let's pick up a, a Verizon Wireless or somebody wants to advertise. Um, in a billboard fashion, but they can't get the outdoor. So then they're starting to look for alternatives like indoor mm -hmm. or gas pump or what have you. So that all of a sudden, then we could go to advertise with a little portfolio and say, hey, we can get you a little of this with the indoor and we get you a little of this with what are 55 gas stations. We'll get you 100 indoor locations. What do you think? And we could package the deal. So, okay. so that was, you know, it was just kind of a natural extension maybe, I guess, mm -hmm. a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, well, and then like, I was just thinking too, as a business owner, you have a bathroom, right? Or a lot of storefronts do. And also as a gas station owner, you have that ad space. And then like, why would you not look for that opportunity? <laughs> right. Because it's not really taking up any more space and you're getting a cut of it, right? That, yeah. And so it, it's a win-win, I think. That's um, what I always thought, but it was tougher to convince. And, so, and then, well, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, the, I could see that. On the indoor side, sometimes, and something like, oh, I just, you know, like if you were going to put it in their bathrooms, oh, I just spent a bunch of money on my, you know, we just remodeled, and I don't, you know, and then you go back like two years later, and there's, after, you know, a couple of people punched holes in the walls, and girls were writing graffiti on the, the doors, you know, then, then they're more up, you know, but like, so there was, there was a resistance, but on the gas station end, that was a little tougher because the majors, your Exxons, your Phillips, oh, your yeah. Shell. You have to get they, a higher up approval, probably. Well, yeah, they wanted that space. And so if it was okay. a corporate store, you weren't going to get it. But mm -hmm. if you had a franchisee, mm -hmm. they wanted okay. it. Yeah, they, they, they didn't care. And, and we didn't typically take up all the spots. We might, you know, if there's, say there were six gas pumps, or, or excuse me, three gas pumps, and there's one frame up there where there's an ad on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. So two, four, six. So we might just put three ads up and okay. then, you know, Marathon Oil gets the other three or something like okay. that. So, so that's how we, we kind of got around that. But that, that space was valuable for, um, like I said, the oil companies themselves, you know. Yeah. And even some stores had their own stuff, you know, mm -hmm. come in the store and buy. Right. M &Ms. So they want to, like, get some stuff on there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now they have those TV screens in a lot of them. See, yeah, see, that's gone digital now too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Like the shortstops have the yeah have yep. the, the screens now. So, 
yeah, that's the way the world's going. You know, everything's mm-hmm. getting, <laughs> getting to be digital, you know. To so. the point, like, my kids will be like, shh, shh I'm watching the ad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to pump gas. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's a big barrier to entry. You know, like I said, oh, you, asked, you asked about the, you know, the cost when I went out, and I was like, well, it's not going to cost much. But now, I mean, you could still do the. Yeah, but did, you have but, to, like, get an entire little digital screen But, yeah, if you want to get into yeah. the digital side, you've got to, because most of those are shot in, um, obviously wirelessly so you got the dish yep. and you got to run a lot of cable you know through mm-hmm. the building and that that's that's a big process so I'm again knock on wood I, I didn't have to deal with any of that and, and nor would I want to so, yeah you know. okay and then Chicago then you then you sold that one as well yeah so Chicago just it just wasn't you know it, it wasn't really working the business side was okay but it just wasn't really working really well for my wife and I we uh like so we had my son in Montana so he was we got there when he was whatever five six months old so you you drop again we parachuted in didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. um you know we lived up in Schaumburg beautiful place um you know we we like a lot of the amenities of the big city but it was hard to meet people because we had the little one Mm -hmm. and we couldn't really hire a sitter per se because we didn't know anyone yeah you know we didn't know uh and so we you know, kind of talk to the partners and that, you know, and we said, well, we can, you know, we can stick it out, but if we have an opportunity, you know, let's, you know, let's exit. Well, we just kind of got some feelers out there and, and we found a guy that was, it, it, again, that wasn't long. It was maybe 90 days. Really? Know? And okay. so, so we were in and we were able to sell that and we were in Chicago for, it was, darn near a year just a year we got there in late april and i know we were back so you were there for a year you started this company got it off the ground and how many locations did you have by the time you were done oh geez that's a good question we had actually started when i was in montana still i was i actually made two trips from montana to chicago oh okay okay (laughs) those are two dares in a little honda accord but um boy we had and you know we just kind of carved out an area you know we didn't try to cover all of Chicago. It would have right, been possible. Right. But I think we had upwards of, I'd say like 55 bars and restaurants and I'd say like 75 gas stations. Wow, so, okay. You know, up up in that northwestern, you know, kind of northwest of O'Hare Airport is where we, we were kind of concentrated. Now I'm going to have to look when I go to <laughs> yeah. O'Hare next time. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking, Hoffman go. Estates and Schaumburg. <laughs> Ask my Uber and, driver to take me to the gas station. Yeah, 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 you go look around and say, hey, I know the guy that got that started. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. Okay. No, that's that's a lot of really cool stuff. So what would you say if someone were going to try to do this now, what advice would you have for them? And what resources would you recommend they really know as a business owner? Well, again, like I said, the mentor thing. I think what I learned the hard way was just trying to do stuff by myself. And not not purposely. I just, I think I was just too, again, naive and just too young and just a little bit too dumb to ask, you mm-hmm. know. Because um, what I've learned and what I like now, what I learned is, you know, people like to help out young entrepreneurs and as an entrepreneur myself when I have a young entrepreneur walk in I want to help that person out too well and and I mean like look at your example like you have somebody that heard you were out doing something they knew you were a hard worker and they're like I'm going to mentor this guy yeah because then as an older entrepreneur you have another opportunity come up 
now you have somebody to do the legwork because yeah. you you don't maybe want to do it all yourself. And, <laughs> and then you can go into another opportunity together. You're exactly so, right. So, like, I mean, I, f I feel like a big piece of mentorship as well is, like, proving you can work hard, you know? Yeah. Um, to your mentor, yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. And and I think that, that that's a huge piece. But then if you are not mentoring anyone, <laughs> like, here's a tip for listeners, um, you should be because that's where you're going to find those next people that you can really lean on when you, you want to expand or do whatever in the future. Right, yep, lean on, trust. You know, you can mm -hmm. trust them. And, and it's, yeah, especially now. I mean, I, I think every generation says, well, this generation doesn't work as hard as my generation. But I'm starting to feel that way. You know, I'm starting to <laughs> yeah. feel like, I don't know, this, this generation doesn't seem to, to work as hard. So, um, but yeah, you know, so like you were saying, you know, if someone was to get into it, but yeah, find, you know, find a good mentor in any business, whether it's this or anything, but find a good mentor. And, and I think, like I said, my biggest resource was really just, I, I committed and I just, I was all in. Like I said, I'm like, you know, I was focused on this. I'm going to make this work. This is what I'm going to do. So it's just kind of that, I, you know, so many words for it, hard work, tenacity. Like I said, I was a little bit naive, you mm -hmm. know, so instead of saying, gosh, this would be a lot, of, a lot easier to go across the street and fill out a job like application to do this, I decided that, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make this indoor advertising company work. And, and so uh, that's, what I did. I'm like just going to like throw out a shout out to your wife, <laughs> oh, <laughs> letting you move to so, Montana by yes, yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, her and I, yeah, I was there for, well, I got there in April and then she was scoots. So then she moved out in June, but um, we were still stayed at the house with, with those, you know, with my, okay. my hockey family. I was wondering about that. And yeah. then we, we did end up buying a house in late September of 2002. But, you know, so, but she's, yeah, definitely along for the ride. She's been a trooper. So we, you know, we, did that and then like I said our son's hey you want to go to Chicago <laughs> so then you know um, driving that U-Haul from Billings mm -hmm. Montana to Chicago um, and then that was just an apartment situation you know just her I my son and the dog and then she got she was pregnant with number two when we moved um, and then and then yeah then back up here and just I, I think every entrepreneur's spouse there's I guess, quote unquote, like a price that they pay, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, there's unpredictability <laughs> the in income. There's, yeah. yeah, there's crazy ideas. There's, you know, in my case, there's, there can be a lot of intensity, um, you know, and so I'm sure maybe you should do a, that's what you do next, but uh, uh, entrepreneur <laughs> spouses support group. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so. sure my husband would need that. Um, so. so tell me a little bit about um, where people can find you because you also have a podcast. Yeah. So now, yeah. So now I've, I've luckily been able to kind of transfer some of the skills I learned in selling advertising to doing um, a couple of, uh, of podcasts. I'm, I'm on one more frequently than the other, but we, we formed a company. It's called Goat Sports Media, LLC. And right now we have two shows that we do, um, you know, YouTube, Facebook podcast. One is called The One to Go Show, and that covers like dirt track racing in a regional fashion. So North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, a little bit of Southern Canada, a little bit of Northern Iowa. Um, and that one, we just celebrated the fourth birthday into year five that was just uh, right around halloween mm. and then i've got one more locally uh called the tea with miss mcgill show that we cover. wait say it slower again what was it the tea with miss mcgill show okay it's a, it's, a, it's a line from a hockey movie so okay um but that one 
uh, covers high school hockey kind of across the kind of in nor- the Arrowhead region of northern Minnesota. And I say kind of because we do cover Little World, Rosa, it's hockey, you have to, and Brainerd, Bemidji. Um, so, but yeah, having a lot of fun with that. And, and I, like I said, luckily, you know, obviously we, you know, we have some advertisers. And so that was kind of came natural for me. I was able to, to do some of that. And, and it's been a lot of fun. And I think that if there's a young entrepreneur in this, I guess, relates to your previous question a little bit. I, I kind of think it's 2023, the iPhone slash smartphone's not going away. And I realized it well, four and four and a half, five years ago, you kind of have to have a digital life in some way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean, there's, you know, there, and that was the way I, I kind of came up with this was I was a combination of, you know, I'm watching my kids, they're teenagers now, but they were preteen then. And just, you know, how the, you know, electronics are just a way of life for them. You know, I can get mm-hmm. away from electronics. They can't as much. And I mean, we force them to, which they don't like, but, and then I st- I had moved from Hibbing to Grand Rapids in 2015, but I maintained my office in Hibbing, and I was driving a lot, obviously, to get back and forth to the office. And I remember a friend of mine, Eric Bardo, had told me 2012 or 13 about podcasts. I'm like, a podcast? I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, I wish I would have. I should have, yeah. I should have, you know, been more inquisitive because who knows where, you know, because back then there weren't as many, you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so now, um, of course, there are, but... Um, but, you know, when I, so I started driving a lot and I started listening to a lot of them. And that's why I thought, well, if I want a digital slice of the digital world and need to be involved in the digital world in some way, well, maybe a podcast. So, like, we started the one to go show, the racing one, and it was just a podcast for about the first six months. It wasn't until COVID and the lockdowns we started to do Zooming and then throwing it on YouTube and Facebook. Okay, but, okay. But that was, like, the original baby. I'm not on that one as much um, I'd like to get back to it. It's just a kind of a time thing. Yeah. You know, but, so um, if you're interested in those topics, you should definitely tune into those channels for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So the gawk portion of this episode, I I know that you were going to tell me a little bit about um, a tow truck driver. <laughs> yeah. So in Montana, I don't know, year two or three, um, you know, I'd go to whatever, I'd go to Perkins, you know, and mm-hmm. I'd, you know, so, well, we're here. I might as well go in the men's room and check out the boards and there'd be this towing company's business card. And then I'd, the next place, and it was the same towing, towing company. Towing okay. company. <laughs> and so, of course, eventually I called the guy and said, hey, you know, you know what value is here. This is great. You know, you should advertise it. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe I will get back to you. Of course, he never did. But the business cards did not cease to stop showing up at various <laughs> locations um, all over. Sneaking them in Yeah, there. sneaking them in, sneaking yeah. in the free ad. So... Uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, kind of comical, I guess. Uh, so, mm. well, thank you for being with me. Today. Well, yeah, and thank you for you what you're doing, and congratulations on all your success and growing and, and keeping everything going, and, and you're doing a great job. And uh, you know, it's I'm glad I found out about you. I mean, I'm like I moved into the, <laughs> to this building, otherwise I would not have known. Yeah, for those of you who are listening, <laughs> Roger is my neighbor in my building. Yeah, yeah. So we're <laughs> for my office. Yeah, so. we're friendly neighbors. So, um, but yeah, congrats to you, and and I hope you're having fun with it. And, and like I said, absolutely. Uh, best yeah. wishes for continued uh, growth and success. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this episode, you should give it a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time.